really believe that the gospel is the answer to our worst problems in life. It would be so easy if the gospel was you'll never go hungry. You'll always have as much much money as you think you need, right? I I wish the gospel was you'll never fight in your favorite uh, or most important relationships, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus loves you so much he gave his life so that sin and shame and guilt would not destroy you but that his life would free you from all of that. The gospel is the answer to our deepest need and problem. And what I've experienced in these last few weeks from you is exactly that. that this, 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 this hits home, it's deep in your heart. And I wanna let you know you're sitting with people that are in that battle, that are in that fight. They come and talk to me about these things. Okay, so, I, so don't feel like you're alone here. Don't, don't even feel shame for a second uh, that, oh, no, this is just me. I, I don't want to even look at, uh, at Nels as he speak, speaks tonight. Uh, this is everybody in this room. So tonight I want to talk about three words that are so difficult for me to accept, okay? These three words are so difficult for me to accept, and the words are, you are good. You are good. It's so hard for me just to say yes to that. It's so hard for me to take those three words and to actually believe them. When those words, I hear those words, what I immediately start to think about is I think about all the reasons why I'm not good. An example of this is I went through this executive coaching um, about four or or five years ago. It's called a high-performance profile. And the first part of it is you list out your seven most successful experiences or moments in life. Seven, okay? This is all through childhood. This is um, including, you know, young adulthood, all up into your life. List out seven of your most successful experiences or moments in life. You know what? I couldn't think of seven off the bat. But if you had asked me, list out your seven moments or experiences of failure in your life, done right now. Done right now. I want you to think for a second. Think about seven, don't tell me, think about your seven failures. Think about seven things you've failed on, seven things you've, mistakes you've made, seven things where you felt like a failure. Then think about seven things or seven experiences where you knew you were good or felt you were good or you were successful. It was really hard. And so in this process, one of the things I learned is that we build our lives around our failures, around our mistakes, around our shame, and it becomes an identity for us. Instead of considering that there's some good in you that God put there and to build your life around the good in your life. And that's why we're talking about this series because guilt and shame will define your life and wreck your life, okay? So we're gonna look about these three words here, and I wanna uh, talk about how it can impact your life, okay? And here's why this is so important. I, I read this quote to you before. This is from Brene Brown. Uh, she actually studies shame. Uh, she has a new Netflix um, documentary special uh, that just came out a couple weeks ago. You should check it out. Uh, she, her thing is on shame and vulnerability. That's like her thing. She's a researcher. She teaches at the University of Houston. Uh, wrote a, uh, books that got really, really famous. This is what she says. She says, shame is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we're not 
good enough. See, that feeling, thinking that you're not good enough, believing that you're not good enough is so powerful that it goes into fear mode. Fear will make you do crazy things. It goes to fight or flight mode. You don't want anybody to know what's going on the inside, so you try to cover it up. You do these crazy things. But as a Christ follower, the gospel that we believe, I think if the gospel is really true, if the gospel is really from God, that it should have something to say about the most powerful master emotion in your life. But I think there's a gap between this right here and what we believe to be the gospel. There's a gap between this master emotion we feel of shame, right? This negative inner voice that we've taught, told ourselves that we are bad and it keeps us uh, from others and keeps us in hiding. And then this gospel that's amazing that God gives his, life, his son for us and there's a gap there. And that's why we're talking about this to help close the gap for you, okay? So the question tonight is really, which voice is gonna be stronger? Which one's gonna be? Which voice will be stronger, that the shame voice in your life or the voice of God in your life who calls you good because of what he did through Jesus? Would you receive this tonight? Let's read the scripture. We've been reading through Romans and some powerful passages. Again, maybe you've read Romans and you just kind of thought, okay, cool, I get it. But I think there's something powerful here because it speaks directly to our shame. Okay, and this is the Apostle Paul writing. Um, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Let's read this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh... God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Here's what I'm gonna do as I share tonight. I'm gonna keep these three words up as I share. I want this in your face. I want you looking at these words that I talk about because I think it's so hard for us to grasp this. We we immediately go to the negative. We go to those things that we've missed out on or the mistakes we've made, okay? And I would argue that most of us are in some kind of a prison or cage because of shame and of guilt, okay? In this passage, in the first, first verse there, Paul writes, there's no condemnation for you. That means penalty. That means judgment, right? But when I said that, and maybe when you read that, you think of the end of your life. You think because of Jesus, I get to go to heaven. You think because of the grace of God, I get to go to heaven. There's no condemnation for me, but we don't think right now. We think in future terms. And that's true. He saved your life. He heals you. There, absolutely. But right now, there is no condemnation for you. But we don't feel this, right? We feel the condemnation. So there's this disconnect between feeling it right now and what later God is going to do. Here's why I think that is. I think that you weren't told a few things through your life. I think you were sold a few things in your life. Maybe this resonates with you. Maybe you heard or grasped, got from your environment. Maybe it's your parents or workplace or friends. Maybe in society even you got this idea that you are bad because others weren't good to you. It translates into because they weren't good to me, that meant I wasn't good. Let me say that again, okay? 
you are bad because others weren't good to you. They treated me like I really deserved. Especially as a child, this is what they grasp from their, they gather from their environment. If they were abused, it goes internal. Because if you were good, then you, you would be treated well, that they'd be kind to you, your parents would be kind to you. So maybe you feel bad because others weren't good to you and that translated to you weren't deserving. You got what you deserve. Because you're bad, you got this. Maybe you're bad because you didn't do good enough for others. So it wasn't just that people were bad to you. You weren't good enough to others or for others. And so that turned into you feeling like you never could measure up, right? They were always unhappy with you. So you became unworthy of that love, attention, or affirmation, okay? Have you ever looked for someone on the outside to change how you feel on the inside? Have you ever looked for someone on the outside to do something for you to fix what's going on on the inside? So here's what happens. We begin to wear a mask. We start feeling the shame that I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy, I'm undeserving, I'm bad. You feel this, and you start wearing a mask. You ever wonder why it's really great to put a photo, you know, or a picture on social media and get a bunch of likes, but then if somebody asks you for a coffee, you'll say no. Because in that moment, they may see the real you. They may ask a question about, and it may come across, oh no, I don't wanna talk about these things. They could ask a question, I could be vulnerable, all right? This is what happens in our lives, and this is God's word for us, that there is no condemnation for you. Okay, I'm gonna read this story. This is uh, this is a story that I think, a children's story that I think will really drive home this idea and this challenge we have when it comes to guilt and shame and condemnation, okay? Many years ago in China, the emperor made an announcement. This book is called The Empty Pot. Maybe you've read it to your kids. He was getting old and had no son. He needed to fill someone to replace him as emperor of China. He'd always loved gardening, so he decided to pass out flower seeds to the boys throughout the kingdom. Whichever boy could grow the best plant would win the privilege of becoming the next emperor. Boys flocked to the palace for the seeds. Among the boys was Ping, the best gardener in all the kingdom. Um, his plants always grew the best, and they were the freshest at the market. Uh, he thought surely he could win this contest. He carefully took the seed and planted the seed in a pot with a rich soil. He watered it and cared for the seed, but nothing happened. All around him, though, the other boys planted seeds that quickly sprouted and grew. They laughed and taunted the boy with the empty pot. The boy planted a seed in a different pot with even better soil. He fertilized the soil and dried and put fertilizer in it. Still, nothing grew. Finally, the day came to take the plants to the emperor. The boy was so sad, but he took his empty pot and walked to the palace. The emperor examined the other boy's strong green plants with a scowl on his face. And then he saw the boy's empty pot. You brought me an empty pot? He said, Ping hung his head. He said, I'm sorry, emperor. I tried and I tried to grow the seed you gave me, but nothing came up. The emperor stroked his chin and smiled. Then he said to the people, may, may I introduce to you the new emperor? You see, the seeds were cooked, so they would not grow. I'm not sure how the rest of you grew plants, but they didn't grow from my seeds. This is what shame does to us. We bring our empty selves to God, right? 
We bring our empty selves to our family. We bring our empty selves uh, to our friends. And, and we feel so much shame. You may be like those little boys that start doing things to kind of cheat a little bit because they feel that shame. And they don't want to be embarrassed in front of the king. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of God. So you're going to fill your pot. You're going to figure out some other way to not feel that embarrassment of an empty pot. And to feel the fear of knowing that everybody's looking at you and you don't measure up. But for Jesus, your empty pot is exactly okay. Because his love isn't based on that pot. His love is based on him and the value you have just for being you. We lie and we'll cheat. We'll go into fight, flight mode because we are fearful of feeling the shame and, and feeling like a failure and it makes us do all these crazy things. But God says there is no condemnation for you. The whole world could look at you and you could feel embarrassed because of that empty pot, but the one who matters looks at you and says, it's all right. There's no condemnation for you. And every single person in this room Find seeds to fill that pot so we don't feel shame, so we don't feel like a, a failure. We'll fill that pot. In this passage that Paul says that you're free, you're free from the law of sin and death. Well, what really is that? Well, here's what you're really fear, uh, free from. Our ultimate fear is people actually seeing ourselves and what that could do. That's why we wouldn't share our most deepest, darkest secret during greeting time at church, right? <laughs> and you may never share that with your spouse. You may never share that with your kids. You may never share that with your best friend. And actually, there may be nobody living on this planet that knows your deepest, darkest fear. Because why is that? Do we feel physical fear, physical harm? I don't think so. We fear something on the inside of just being known, and we can't handle the crushing weight of shame. We can't handle it, so we avoid it. But you are free from the worst that could happen to you, that pain and shame. I want you to hear tonight that you're valuable, that Jesus died for you, right? And that you are righteous. Okay? The idea here, church, is that we are trying to feel good by doing good. Some of us in here maybe come from a background in which if you did good, God would give you good. That is not the gospel. That may be how your parents manipulated you. That may be how pastors manipulated you or other church leaders, but that's not the gospel. Just because you do bad doesn't eliminate you from God. Just because you do good doesn't make God love you anymore. It's a powerful concept to think this thought that God can't love you more than he does right now. But in the same way, you can't be more good now than, than in the future than you are right now because it's through Jesus. I'm going to talk about something that I uh, read about yesterday. Uh, there was a um, shooting at a synagogue in California. Did you guys read this? There have been three church shootings in the last six weeks. You guys know that? It's incredible, okay? And we have these terrorist attacks that happen all over the world. And I think, man, you would think the gospel would just end that, right? Like, that's it. And one day for sure. But I think that some of these things are an expression of something that goes, that's coming from the inside. 
So I'm reading this story about what happened, and it was interesting to hear about these people that do this thing. And this was actually a 19-year-old kid. Don't be offended if you're 19 and I'm calling you a kid. A 19-year-old boy, kid. At 19, your brain isn't fully developed yet. You know that? At 19, your emotions are not fully developed yet. At 19, you're, uh, you're a kid. And for a 19-year-old to do some atrocious, this awful terror like this, think about that for a second. It's not rational or logical. He put a post somewhere online about his plan to do this. And I read this story, and you know what I thought? I'm so proud of Transforming Life Church because we talk about sin and shame. I'm so proud of this community who's willing to go beneath the surface of our lives. Because that 19-year-old, I assure you, didn't know what he was doing. You can blame guns, and I think he used the AR rifle kind of thing. Uh, you know, listen, you can blame those things, and, and this is not a political thing. I'm not against or for guns or any of those things. Listen, I am about people being healed from the worst problem, which isn't guns or any of those things. It's shame and sin in our hearts. So I'm reading this story yesterday about this 19-year-old kid, and I thought to myself, Lord, I'm so proud of our church who's willing to talk about these things and go deep. And I thought to myself, this 19-year-old kid had to have something that happened in his 19 years of life that created shame and pain. You cannot do some atrocious thing like this without shame and pain. It's Brene Brown, who's pretty smart, smarter than I am, says that it's the, most, it's the master emotion. They create so much fear in our lives right? The fear that you're not good enough, the fear of these things. And I know this comes out as, you know, online you post things about a certain people group or those type of things, and I get it, but it comes from the heart. And that's why Jesus hung on the cross full of shame. Some scholars argue that Jesus hung naked on the cross. The idea is that he was vulnerable and full of shame because that's exactly what you and I will deal with and that's exactly what you and I will be caged by and that's exactly what you and I need to bring to Jesus so he can heal us. I wanna tell you, church, you got problems. You know, you got money problems. You got relationship problems. You, you know, we, we got all, I, I got a few pounds. I'm trying to lose problems, right? We, we got all these different kind of problems. And I want to tell you, shame's a problem. And that's the very answer of the gospel that he provides. So I want you to see these three words for a second. And I, I wish I had a chance to talk to that 19-year-old kid's, kid before he did this and tell him, dude, you're good, not because of somebody, what somebody did to you and you felt bad because you didn't deserve it, right? You're like, oh, wait, wait, what, what is going on here? Maybe you got along the way that, that they were always unhappy with you, so that turned into shame. Or, or you felt like, oh, you got treated this way because you deserved it, and it turns to shame and fear and anger. But I, if I could just tell them before this happened, hey, you're good because of God. You're good because he made you. You're good because he thought you so worthy and so valuable that he gave his son for you in this moment. Could you feel you are good? And honestly, I was joking about this earlier, but if I preached every single week the same message, it'd be good for you. Do you know, do you know why? Because tomorrow there's gonna be some shame in your face. Tomorrow you're gonna feel like you're not enough. 
Tuesday, you're gonna feel like you weren't enough for your family. Wednesday, you're gonna feel like you didn't provide enough, right? Thursday, you're gonna feel like you weren't enough for a parent or for your job or for your work. You're gonna start feeling over and over and over this thing, and I want you to hear tonight that God makes you good through Jesus. And so here's a test for you. Here's how, here, here's how to measure this. When you, when you hear these words, God calls you good, and there is no condemnation, no penalty, no evil for you. There is no condemnation. You are good. Can you receive that? Or do you automatically go towards, yeah, but, or when you hear you are good, do you think about a failure in your life? And so what happens is failures are more powerful than the gospel in our life. Let me say that again. If when you see these words, when you hear these words that you're good, if the failures come up and take over, those things are more powerful in your life than the gospel. Okay? I'm going to read a few things to you, and I just want you to receive these tonight. Will you hear what shame says, or will you hear what God's grace says? Shame says you are good based on what you do. God says you are good based on what Jesus did. Shame says you need to do what it takes to look beautiful. God's grace says you don't need to do anything. You already are beautiful. Shame says you aren't good enough, so you ought to be scared. God says you are so good that you can be brave. Shame says you better hide because no one will like you. God says you better show up because I love you. Shame says you are only as good as you can prove. God says you are so good, I already proved it. Will you listen tonight, church? I'm gonna read these again, okay? Shame says you're good based on what you do. God says you are good based on what Jesus did. Shame says you need to do what it takes to look beautiful. God says you don't need to do anything. You already are beautiful. Shame says you aren't good enough, so you ought to be scared. God says you are so good, you can be brave. Shame says you better hide because nobody will like you. And God says you better show up because I love you. Shame says you're only good as you can prove. God says you are so good, I already proved it. What do you base your good on, church? Is it on those failures, those mistakes? Or is it on Jesus loving you and giving his life for you? Do you stand with me tonight as we sing a couple more songs? And I want to say this last statement to you. And I, I, I'm praying for this to be so true in your life, especially as you're a part of our community. I, I wish I can get this imprinted upon uh, especially young people who struggle with these things. But uh, the, the, if you'll grasp this, you'll get this deep in your heart, greater than the shame voice. deeper than all those things that cause pain and shame, that if you will just hear this today and believe this, that what God says is good is good. And that should be the end of the story. What God says is good is good. And that's the end of the story. What God says is good, is good. And that's the end of the story.